he's a very res- he's a very respected arthropod in the ant dentistry world. Okay, he. You know how hard it is to be an ant and a dentist in on a sand planet yeah. when nobody flosses. Everyone knows that dentists aren't real doctors, Chris. <laughs> Uh, sorry for alienating the one dentist who listens to our show. <laughs> Welcome to Death Watch, a serial watchcast about Disney Star Wars The Mandalorian. I'm Mike Bennett. And I'm Chris Skull. And today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 2, entitled Chapter 10, The Passenger. This episode was written by series creator John Favreau, and we have a first-time director in Peyton Reed. Peyton has directed the movies like The Breakup and surprisingly Bring It On for some reason. Uh, but he was most known for directing both of the Ant-Man movies. And we'll see a pretty obvious Easter egg with that association in this episode. And also, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but throwback to the Back to the Future cartoon. He actually Ooh, had know. directed. Yeah, he actually had directed um, 13 episodes of that. And apparently they split it between like the cartoon and the live action sequences. But yeah, he was involved in that you know, way back when. Very cool. Well, we want to cover a couple of errors and omissions. Uh, shout out to listener Samu Ryan, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts and reminded us that when we earlier in the season one of the podcast, we mentioned that there were stormtrooper buckets hanging on pikes on Navarro, but those were only on Tatooine, um, not on Navarro. So thanks for checking us there, Samu Ryan. Um, we also misspoke last week. We said Tamir Morrison was the voice of the clone troopers in the Clone Wars animated series. We, we meant he was the voice of the clone troopers just in the live action movies, the Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sh- of the Sith. And um, yeah, um, <laughs> almost. And uh, <laughs> it's revenge for being the worst movie um, of the series. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, the actually the the voice of the Clone Wars was voiced by oddly enough, coincidentally enough, D. Bradley Baker, who appears in this episode of The Mandalorian as the voice of the Frog Lady. Um and you can check out, you know, his work. He's a great voice actor and I've I've loved hearing how he even voiced the clone troopers in the Clone Wars. He kind of associated one or two adjectives with each character that represented like their core uh, personalities, which he kind of reflected on as he did each of the voices, often almost sentence by sentence when they were, you know, they were talking to each other. So he's, that's, he's pretty he's impressive. Great. Yeah. It's great. And it's, it's cool to see he's yet another animated Star Wars series person making it, um, into the Mandalorian series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, he's also voiced a lot of, uh, for a lot of cartoons that we used to watch when we're, when we were kids and, and other shows, I mean, he was really involved in like SpongeBob, Phineas and Ferb and other, other things. He's always like those background characters. So like, he's never really the main character, but he has like hundreds of different characters that he yeah. has uh, in, on his IMDb page. Yeah, he's great. So let's go ahead and, uh, and hop into the episode. So our cold or shall we say hot open of the episode is on the, the desert of Tatooine Mando we pick up right where we left them off at the end of the last episode or I guess it's probably the next day because we ended the last one with the binary sunset um and now we're he, kind of he midday. literally wrote off in the sunset 
Yeah. Um, Mando's headed back to Moss Eisley on his swoop bike. And then we cut ahead and a, a trio of, of people, potentially bounty hunters are s- scrambling to set what we can see as a tripwire in the, in the sand and, and cover it up. Um, and as Mando is, is f- on his way back, they yank the cord, pull it up out of the sand and, uh, rips Mando off the bike. The child, we were just like freaking out, rolls on his own. You can see him like rolling around on the ground. I don't know who these guys are. They don't get any kind of name check or description here. At first I thought maybe they were bounty hunters, but I've also, I'm not sure if there's still a tracking beacon on them. No, Um, I think they were just scavengers. They kind of seem like, yeah, they just, maybe this is a a path that people often travel on the way back to Mos Eisley. So they were just Mm -hmm. waiting for anybody and they just happened to get Mando. Um, But I suppose it is possible that there is still a tracking fob out there because if it was, I know the, the client who died at the end of season one was initially giving out the commission, but it was sort of, uh, being given out on behalf of Moff Gideon, who mm-hmm. is assumably still looking for Mando and the child. So it is possible that these are bounty hunters, although they're not very capable um, given what we've seen in a lot of the other bounty hunters who've been tracking them. So yeah, I agree. They, uh, they rip them off. Mando immediately starts getting like attacked by a couple of them. And, you know, they're actually getting a few shots on him although Mando starts to get concerned about the child who's off a little bit from him. And eventually one of them runs to get the child. This guy initially looked to me kind of like Tito, who was originally, uh, he was at the beginning of the force awakens near Ray and event like captures BB eight and she frees him from him. I think it at a second look, it's not the same kind of species, but it's kind of no. like almost like a, a robot face on a Jawa. <laughs> it's like an like an off-brand knockoff Jawa. Yeah, almost like if you described it to someone who'd never seen them and then they redrew it, it's kind of what you get. <laughs> um, so Mando continues to fight them off. The the one guy who had who grabs the child eventually he pulls a large rifle in, in a bag. Um, and I wondered if there was any significance to this. Like if it looks a lot like what Mando's rifle looks like, his disintegration rifle, if this could have even been like you know, Boba Fett's rifle that they recovered in mm-hmm. wreckage a few years ago. Um, but he pulls it out and he's about to shoot Mando. He, he frees one of his arms that has the Gatling rope on it, grabs the rifle and yanks it towards him and knocks out the two guys kind of in like a three stooges kind of move. <laughs> that was a most comical and pretty impressive move to hit them both at the same time. It was great. And before Mando can get up, the that guy has has captured the child and is holding a knife to him mando's like look don't don't do anything hasty you can have there's a a wreckage full of very valuable things here take what you want just give me the child don't injure him and he he motions to mando speaking in a language that doesn't even get described in the subtitles um points to his jetpack mando's like fine he takes it off one thing I've wondered is where Mando's cape went and his cape is still there. And 
I I'm curious as to how it works with a a jetpack that <laughs> does it not catch fire pushes out flames and it reminds me of the scene from The Incredibles when they talk about <laughs> the cape that they wear and how the no cape no kills capes. A bunch of, <laughs> no yeah. capes darling no capes darling um yeah so that's his cape is still there it's I guess it's uh it's a jetpack compatible cape um. But in any case, Mando sets it down, and I'm impressed by its perfect balance, and it stands right on the sand. Um, we get this, what's already been a very memed scene over the last uh, week of the child scurrying <laughs> across the sand and being picked up by Mando. Uh, super cute to see the little thing running across the ground. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the guy picks up the jetpack and kind of backs away slowly and then eventually turns and runs, which also felt like... Why would you turn your back at all to this guy? Mando could just pull his blaster out and shoot him. That's Obviously. why I think we're not dealing with with bounty hunters yeah, here. Not uh, we're, we're dealing with no, no. We're dealing with some low tier scavengers looking for a buck. Yeah, and Mando's not worried. He nonchalantly checks with the child. He's like, "You okay?" Uh, he, you know, lets him know he is fine. And then Mando reaches for his armband, blasts the jetpack a couple hundred feet up in the air and then turns it like you, you see or you kind of hear a scream and then you see the guy <laughs> slam into the sand uh did not go well for him and then perfect automated landing of the jetpack on the ground uh and then cut to the the opening credits so <laughs> this is a great great it's little like the, that opening was open yeah that um, that was almost cartoonish i was not expecting i think that's where the humor for uh Peyton Reed comes in yeah I, that's I, a good I, point yeah I think uh there do you see a lot of those like little cartoonish moments in this episode and I think he could be attributed to that yeah it is a little bit of a wacky uh comedy um so we come back from the credits and Mando has strung up all of the the valuables he's bringing back the the meat that he got from the crate dragon Boba's armor and whatever else he brought with him and he's got it strung up over uh of stick that he's balancing on the back of him with the child hanging in, in the satchel on the front. And, um, I was initially thinking something might happen here, but it, it ends up being just about a 10 second scene of Mando walking through the desert. And then he eventually strolls up on Moss Eisley. Um, but I, I thought there was some opportunity here to, you know, run across something, some Easter egg about like where Obi-Wan used to live when he was, in this area of Tatooine or, or anything else that we know about the planet or what we've all been waiting for since the end of the last episode, I thought he was going to run into Boba Fett and he's going to be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, that's mine (laughs) on your, on your stick. Let me have it. Um, but Nope, we just get, uh, the one thing we did get, which is why I thought Boba was going to pop up is there's a shot that's just zooming on Mando's boots as he's walking. And it's like the same audio clip of the spurs clicking, um, that we had at the end of the gunslinger when we, Hmm. um, uh, theorized that it could have been Boba Fett perhaps. So I thought, Oh, cool. Here's a, a mirrored scene, you know, everything in star Wars rhymes to quote Mm -hmm. George. Um, and, uh, but nope, it just was a coincidence. I guess Mando walks into town and back to our our favorite cantina. What I saw at the first at the, at the bar of the cantina is mm. the character from Rogue One who was like I, I described it as like a white Wookiee or a, a large white haired creature. Did you see it? I didn't um, notice it. 
in Rogue One, it had, it had like a giant backpack on it that like mm-hmm. had some structure to it. Um, but he was chilling at the bar talking to someone. So it's, I guess, the second time we've seen that species. And then you can immediately, you start to hear Pelly kind of going off her vibe in this scene is <laughs> kind of out of control. She's, uh, her wacky She's in self, her but in a new, yeah, new environment, we haven't seen her. Um, she walks up and he, she looks over at Mando immediately is like, you found a Mandalorian and you killed him. <laughs> like you <laughs> finally bit, found what you wanted and you still killed bit, him. That's a bit savage. Yeah. And, uh, and then here's where we connect back to potentially the director's past. She's playing a game of Sabak with mm-hmm. Dr. Mandible, which is the worst name. I mean, nah, he earned that degree, man. Okay. Yeah, that, He's a very education, hard earned. He's going to be in debt for the rest of his life. He's now he's he's a very respected arthropod in the ant dentistry world. Okay, he, you know how hard it is to be an ant and a dentist in on a sand planet when nobody flosses. Everyone knows that dentists aren't real doctors, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry for alienating the one dentist who listens to our show. (laughs) Um, But they're playing a game of Sabacc, which we've talked about before on the show. It gets heavily featured in the Solo movie. It's how Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian. But they're playing, they're in the middle of a hand and, uh, you know, Mando says, I found him, but it wasn't a Mandalorian. It was just a guy wearing his armor. And now I'm out of connections. Pelly says, You might be in luck. Dr. Mandible here says he can connect you with someone who can help you. If you cover his call this round, he said. She's like, yeah, he's beyond a hot streak. She's totally sharking him. So it's 500 credits, which I, I, we haven't really found a good calculator on <laughs> on uh, how much that actually is. But he says, well, you're playing a high stakes hand. He calls, tosses the credits on the table, and she immediately plays an idiot's array, which is a name check back to the Rebel series when our, the crew is playing. Uh, they have an idiot's array, which is just it's a it's a certain hand that gives you usually a winning hand. I think full full Sabak wins is the like the Trump hand. Um, not being political, just using the word before it became <laughs> something else. Um, it's the Trump hand over any other thing, but I think the idiot's array is known to be a strong hand. She wins, gets all the money, and then uh, Dr. Mandible says he will send his his uh, connection to the hangar where Pelly is, uh, you know, where she's based. And that's where we head next. And that, that, that scene opens up. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Um, the first thing is the droid that we've seen a couple of times that has, like, the treads and the two, like, separated eye, like, square mm-hmm. eye pieces is holding the crate dragon meat and is in front of like uh an engine that's it looks like on. a pod racer engine it does yeah uh and he's using it like a spit there's a there's a reference here well first of all two things can we appreciate the fact that the robot with treads his name is treadwell yeah i can't tell if that's like what the the, the machine is called or if that's pelly's nickname for him but it's a great name then and second of all the the whole uh robot with the meat on a spit above a pod racer engine. That's a huge nod to uh, Galaxy's Edge in the parks. And there's a part where you can get like a quick service hot dog or something called Ronto's Roasters. Oh, yeah. And it's literally like an animatronic droid over 
and he's turning a spit constantly of some oh, that's cool. mystery, mystery meat that looked like the um, crate dragon meat. And above it, pointing down, is a pod racer engine that just turns on and off occasionally. And that's what's roasting the meat. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, alludes that that's, you know, that's your lunch. I love that. So he's cooking it. Pelly walks in and uh, she's like, make sure it's medium rare, which is great to hear because that's the only way <laughs> meat was intended to be eaten. Um, but I'm glad that that carries over to the Star Wars galaxy. She starts to um, communicate to Mando where he's going to need to go to find the Mandalorians. Uh, it, this is the first time I feel like we've had um, like what do you call it? Astrogation, navigation through the stars, like described um, in a way and anything other than just like from this planet to that planet. She mm-hmm. says um, it's it's nearby. It's in the same sector, one system trailing. And I'm not totally sure what that means. I, I'm wondering if it refers to, you know, galaxies are typically uh, large clusters of stars spinning around a central gravitational point. And so I wonder if one system trailing just happens to be like the star the star system nearby that's you know orientation wise just behind this star in like in rotation around the center of the galaxy. This um, is a this is a someone's dissertation waiting to happen. Oh yeah. Um someone in NASA has figured it out already. Yeah. Well, for sure. I think there's a lot of Star Wars NASA crossover. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that Venn diagram is just a circle. Um, it is 100%. Yeah. So I'm sure someone has figured out that term. If you are a an astrophysicist and you can better uh, comment on this, please feel to reach out to deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, but she's like, there's some mitigating circumstances. Uh to to get this to to go as a like an agreement for for go, for getting this information, you need to bring this traveler to the estuary moon of the planet Trask in the Cole Ibn system. No sweat, and, no sweat. And Mando's like, I'm not a taxi service. No. Mm-hmm. I wish he would have said an Uber service, but he's not that forward thinking. Um, no, it's at this point where we're introduced to the Frog Princess. Yeah, the Frog who, Lady. If, if you, this is at at this point. If you're watching the show with the captions on, which I I typically do, you'll get some nuggets of of information that you don't normally get because yeah. of everybody just just speaking. And you'll get the names of characters and the the languages that they speak or the alien race that they represent. It is at this moment that f- completely frustrated me when we're introduced to this, even Dr. Mandible is introduced as Dr. Mandible speaks in the, right. in the subtitles and he speaks his, you know, clicking language. Yeah. Yeah. And then frog lady speaks frog because she's a frog and she looks like a frog. So she's going to talk like a frog and we're going to call her frog lady. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. No, it sounds like none whatsoever. I no. felt like that was super lazy. It's like, Oh, that looks like a frog lady. You're like, Oh yeah, that works. We'll call her Frog Lady. <laughs> we'll what language does what language does he speak? Frog. I guess she speaks Frog. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <sighs> so she's here. She speaks a, a language of of croaking, and somehow Pelly speaks this language, um, or at least <laughs> Very, acts acts like she does. I I no. Feel like I was pretty convinced here that I she does con- I was pretty convinced that um. I mean, her accent may be off slightly, but uh, I think she got the idea across. Yeah. 
Uh, I feel like we could probably drop the audio in here, but she, you know, the frog lady comes over and is like, she said, and then Melly does it right back. What's the cargo? It's her spawn. She needs her eggs fertilized by the equinox or her line will end. If you jump into hyperspace, they'll die. She said her husband has settled on the estuary moon of Trask in the system of the gas giant Colibin. She said all that? I paraphrased. And Mando's just like, what is going on? I, l- I like Mando's like, you got all that from yeah. her? Like, eh, I paraphrased. She tells him, look, I've got, she's got to get there because I have eggs, which represent the last of my line, of my family line. And I need to meet my husband there where they we can you know our eggs can grow and we can whatever continue our family line which i mm-hmm. feel like was a little bit of a tug on mando's heartstrings because yes. it's a family connection yeah. he doesn't want to be in a place where he doesn't um you know where he doesn't help someone connect with their kids or you know whatever mm-hmm. so i think there is something personal there for mando i, th- I think this is the beginning of a theme for this episode um, yeah. re- regarding uh, birthright and origins and and family and, and things like that. Something I didn't pick up the first time I saw this episode, uh, but I think that becomes a recurring theme from here on out. Yep. And and I, and, and just a quick recap because I kind of got lost in this. I had to rewatch it again. We Pelly, that Ma- Mando knows Pelly. Pelly knows Doctor Mandible DDS, who knows someone who might know where other Mandalorians are, but to get there, she has to take her brood, which to specifies has to be sublight, no yes. light speed whatsoever. Right. So a friend of a friend of a f- son acquaintance knows that there might, thinks that there might be Mandalorians on this planet, but you got to get her home first. Yes. It's a, uh, it's a very, very <sighs> wow. distant, reach for mando to be involved here mm-hmm. and and he even he kind of bucks at that initially pelly's like you got to go sublight because if you go hyperspace these eggs will die mm-hmm. and mando's like look the only thing keeping me alive is moving quickly i can't sit out in space for days or we however long it takes to move at sublight it's a little unclear but um mm-hmm. he's not interested in it and um he's, he's like do you vouch for her and, Ma- and she's like i vouch with my life <laughs> and uh and then like a minute later she's like uh well, she's like oh do you vouch for the husband she's like oh i don't know the husband i just met her 10 minutes ago he's like what you just vouch for her she's like i don't know i'm a good judge of character yeah i mean <laughs> which she, she she's is okay with mando if you think about uh, yeah. it yeah i think it's just hilarious <laughs> and then at this at this time too we're also seeing the frog lady is carrying a a, a vacuum cleaner backpack full of eggs it's a like a container of, of water and these like round egg look uh, frog looking eggs in the container and is like he's drawn to it very strongly and mm-hmm. you know we've seen the only food actually that we've seen him eat so far are frogs so this mm-hmm. kind of tracks this, maybe this, this is situation his species diet as they just eat frogs um so and that just becomes a, a theme the whole episode is his obsession with this container full of eggs this re- so. this repurposed rainbow uh rainbow vacuum cleaner the one that like sucks up with all the water and all that stuff yep so uh they you know mando agrees he gets her on board and uh and they take off there's a little um 
Uber driver <laughs> back and forth. He's like, look, uh, you got to buckle your seatbelt whenever you're sitting down. And uh, what's what was cool about this, you know, you, you can probably tell at this point that I'm a little bit of an astrophysics nerd, but I, I love the detail in the, he, you get a, a shot of his heads up display and the galaxy map and he's plotted mm-hmm. their trajectory from Tatooine to, I guess, the estuary moon of Colibin. Uh, or of Trask in the Colibin system, but he's used uh, the slingshot trajectory um, method of accelerating your travel using gravitation of large planetary bodies or star systems, kind of how you know NASA and the ESA have used it for some of their satellites. Most recently, and probably famously, the New Horizons spacecraft, which went past Pluto uh, a couple years ago. It, event, it went around Jupiter, I think, twice, maybe. Um, I forget. In it, it, As it gets closer to this massive planet, the gravity pulls it quicker, and it, it they move around it, and then it just slingshots off in the distance. And they actually slingshotted off of Pluto to go further outside of the solar system into the Kuiper Belt to go near this uh, large asteroid-type body out there called Arakoth, which it, it's like this interesting double spherical um rock that it took a picture of um but the name erikoth is the native american word for sky so that was kind of cool too this is a big rabbit trail astrophysics minute with mike bennett yeah mike Um, bill nye would be proud of you next episode of star talk (laughs) i feel like that's a great podcast in itself it really is a great start just talking about the, the science behind star wars yes um I'm actually referring to the Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast about astrophysics called Star Talk. So sorry, just oh, next level nerded you. <laughs> um, so anyway, Mando plots in this course. He's like, all right, it's going to be a while. I'm going to go lay down. Um, I'll catch you later. Drops down his ladder down to the lower hold and catches the kid with the oh my god the lid open and he's eating oh the eggs. Oh my god. And I like cringed so much. We all like, did, man. And you guys know I'm a parent and I totally identified with this walk, <laughs> walking in on my kid doing something that it's they weren't the, supposed the, to that I the wish I had seen. The cookie jar. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I think we all got that like, idea. The yeah. first time he walked up slowly to the eggs with fascination, we were like, nah, yeah, nah, he's not going to do it. He's I've, not going to do it. Next scene, he's, he's, he's already like three eggs deep. This is one of those moments where my hand naturally did the control z the control z motion i was like oh no no undo 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 oh i can't believe that just happened i wish you could you could control z life but it doesn't work out Mm-mm. so um the child has eaten an egg on scene we don't know if this was the first or one of several but um he uh it's it's upsetting and whatever mando locks it up um, and then we get this little look at their his little sleeping pod room, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen the door open and seen the child in there, but now we see Mando using it as well. And it seems like it's really just a little alcove with a bed in it. And then the child has like a, a, a little hammock. Yeah. Hammock hanging on in the room. And uh, that's where he chills. And also I noticed we don't know if he takes his helmet off or not when he sleeps, but when he goes into the thing, the helmet's off and when he comes right back out, it's still on. He's so got to sleep with his helmet on. I mean, he, he I mean, doesn't take it off way. in front of people. This is the way. Um, <laughs> and he's certainly not in front of a foundling. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. So they go to sleep and get a little bit of a rest. And then like, it's an interesting, the transition between this scene and the next scene felt intentional and real because it's like, uh, it's drifting like to black as he's falling asleep and then jolts back up and is an alerting siren is going off as if you were just woken up from sleep by like a loud siren. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Mando like, uh, like rips open the door to his pod, like it runs up, like kind of panicked into the cockpit. It just felt like, Oh, I was asleep too. And the alarm just went off and woke me up. It was, it was interesting. Um, the alarms are going off. They're the proximity alarms on the Razor Crest because there are two X-Wings alongside the ship. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and these two X-Wings are piloted by uh, guest actor Paul Soon Hyung Lee, who's uh, he's known for a lot of cool projects. I just saw him on, um, I'm blanking on the name, on, on Netflix, which is pretty cool. Kim's, uh, Kim's Convenience. Yeah, Kim's Convenience uh, is great. And then uh, he's playing Captain Carson Tiva, and he's the one who initiates a lot of the conversation. And then on the other side of Mando is uh, Dave Filoni back on screen as Trapper Wolf. And I don't know if you noticed his helmet this time. I don't remember it from the last time he was on The Prisoner, but he's got like a wolf logo on his mm-hmm. helmet, which looks a lot like um, one that I saw in the Rebel series as well. Actually, in Clone Wars too, that the Wolf Pack was uh, oh, that's was, true. A, was a was a squadron in uh, of fighters in Clone Wars. That's right. So I think this is Dave Filoni grabbing something that he liked about something he created and pulling it forward into this project. So that's nice. a cool callback. Um, and then there's this like just great sequence of like getting pulled over <laughs> by cops for a broken taillight. Um, the, you know, Captain Carson is like, uh, Hey, uh, how's it going? Can you, uh, I noticed your beacon wasn't running and Mando's like, Oh, well, yeah, I, I'm pre empire. So I don't need one. They're like, well, well, this is the Republic. So if you could just run it, that'd be great. And Mando's like, thank you for letting me know. I'll get right on it. Not a problem. Safe travels. May the force be with you. And also with you. Oh, okay, cool. I'll I'll check it out next time I'm at the mechanic. You know, like I'll I'll, I'll get it fixed. No big deal. All right, cool. We'll let you off on a warning. Yeah, and he's and it, I, this is the second time we hear the force. He says, "May the force be with you," which totally felt like sucking up. You're like, "Oh, thank you very much, officer. I respect you a great deal." It um, felt a little forced. Oh, come on. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> on, 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 a, uh, on a serious note, how did he not know? Does he know the expression? You know. How some people would, uh, uh, what is it? Um, it's more like an idiom. Does he not know yeah. what the force is? Yeah, they talk that's about, true. They talk about what the force does without ever actually utilizing the force in the last season. Yeah, he's seen, he doesn't. He's he doesn't make the, the sen- force, but he still knows seems how to like say it. the saying. Exactly, it's just like an expression. Okay, interesting. Well, so he says that, and then there's a little bit of like an awkward silence, and then <laughs> Captain Tiva's like. Actually, can you just send us a quick ping, which I guess is sort of like, can you hand me your, your license and registration anyway? <laughs> We're just going to run it real quick. No big deal. And uh, then Mano's fumbling. Oh, I'm not sure it's working. Uh, let me, uh. He's like, that's okay. We'll wait. No big deal. <laughs> and he's like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. No, like, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like, uh, oh, what was that? Isn't that from the Empire or from A New Hope? 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when Han Solo says that. <laughs> how was it? How, like, are you guys okay with that? Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, Everything's yeah, great. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm fine here. I'll, I'll clear. How, uh, how are you? <laughs> how are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, if he flips on the, the beacon or whatever it is, the, the ping, which that alert sound wakes up the frog lady, which how is she not awake by now? Like Mando, like, Rip runs in the room initially. He's been having a conversation. Um, I, I can't believe she hasn't woken up to now, but he turns on the, the the sound. Then she makes a noise and they're like, oh, what was that? What was that? And the whole purpose of this is that they're trying to find like Imperial remnants or like, I guess, Imperial mm-hmm. um, smugglers or some kind, whatever. So they're like, oh, now I'm a little suspicious. What was that sound? Who was that person? And uh, he's like, oh, it was, it was just uh, my exhaust manifold. Um and then, meanwhile, like, their c- cockpits are clear. The Razor Crest cockpits are clear. They're flying parallel to the crest. They can literally just turn their heads and go, yeah. "Hey, look! There's somebody else in there. There's a frog lady in there. There's um, a frog lady." They, uh, and then as he's sending this ping, we hear Dave Filoni. Carson, can you switch over to channel two? Oh. And then he comes back on, and he's like. Um, there's a yeah there's like another awkward silence yeah another awkward silence and then he's like would you craft in the proximity of new republic correctional transport boxes five which couple shout outs here one this is a callback to season one episode six the prisoner this is the transport ship that mando was on with uh Berg and Mayfeld and Sheehan to free Quinn. And uh, so they're, they're name checking that they were in the vicinity of this ship. And then also, I think it's really cool to find out they named this prison ship after the Bothans who gave their lives to bring the information about the Death Star plans. Um, because they definitely did not get their day in court in Rogue mm-hmm. One because there is no mention of Bothans at all. And mm-hmm. if you just watch that movie, you think that the Death Star plans came from no one who is a Bothan. So great that they honored them with a prison ship. Um, and there's like another two second beat and Mando plunges his joysticks <laughs> down and, and flies towards this planet, which is all of a sudden right next to us. Um, it was, it's been out of screen the whole time, but oh, we're there like, it, is. it was there the yeah, entire time. We're like in the upper atmosphere of this planet. Um, I guess on Mando's slingshot course and uh captain tiva's like oh we got a runner and <laughs> starts this uh epic chase i mean it's is a really cool um it reminds me a lot of you know the way it felt when Django fett is chasing obi-wan in mm-hmm. a, um attack to the, the asteroid field yeah. yeah and uh even as the millennium falcons running from the tie fighters in empire strikes back it's it's a pretty cool um scene and, and it's one of the first we've seen in atmosphere like it's mm-hmm. usually all of these are space battles it's and so to see it moving around in the atmosphere he actually does this super cool move of like flying around um uh, a cloud structure and then stalls and turns off his engines and just drops straight down plummets. through the clouds yeah plummets through the stratosphere um it it's reminiscent of uh the way poe dameron flies to like really unconventional techniques to to shake your um your your attackers uh mando plunges through the clouds eventually falls face forward and turns the engines back on the x-wings pick back up on him um 
And then we get the scene that we saw from the trailer of like the large crevice mm-hmm. in this. And we, this is the snow planet that we saw. And, yeah. um, you know, some, you know, we've called people Star Wars nerds before, even though we host the Star Wars podcast, but some Star Wars nerds read the name of the planet on Mando's <laughs> dashboard. It's written in Arabesh, the, like the galactic basic version of English, um, and translated the name of the planet to Maldo Christ, which is the name of the planet from episode one of season one with where, uh, where Mando captured Horatio Sands and, um, which would explain why he he was somewhat familiar in plotting out his course to the planet. Maybe he, since he's been there before, he knew the physics or whatever of how to how to be able to navigate around it. And yeah, probably could, plot it. You know, as part of his path over there, could be that. I think a lot of us were really excited about this possibly being the planet Ilum and part of Mando's quest of connecting with Jedi. Uh, but we get none of that. It's just a planet we've seen before, which doesn't have any other significance elsewhere in the Star Wars um, storyline. Um, but as he's headed towards this large, um, you know, it looks kind of like the Grand Canyon in snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he's headed down there, the X-Wings pick him back up and they, you know, they keep radioing to him. Don't make us shoot you down. We're going to do it. These and, are like the most polite. They remind you of like Canadian Mounties and like, oh, come on, man. Don't don't do this. Please don't let yeah. it, don't make us shoot you. Come on. Absolutely. If they were Empire, they would have shot them down like the second they ran. I know. The Empire, you know, say what you will about the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> but they They're, really knew how to enforce the rules. Emperor Palpatine did nothing wrong. Yep. Um there's a little bit more flying through the crevices and then Mando finds an an opening where he can pull off out of sight of the X-Wings into kind of like an enclosed snow tunnel and then does this move, which reminded me a lot of, um, I guess uh, it's from the Solo movie and Mm -hmm. Han Solo like slams the Millennium Falcon down on the ground, spins it back around and then jumps it back off and blasts whoever was chasing him. We also see it, the Millennium Falcon slam on the ground in The Force Awakens when they land on Ilum. <laughs> um, Just proof that the ships in the entirety of the Star Wars universe can at least take a beating. Yeah. So he's, he slams down on the ground and kind of ice skates for a few seconds, um, flips backwards, and then pumps his, gen- his engines once or twice to try to slow down, and then kind of slams into the wall of, of wherever he's in. Um and you're like, oh, and then and and the, like the camera pans and we see the X wings fly by, and uh, you're like, oh, wow, he actually got away from them. That's pretty cool. Um, and then you hear the ground creak a little bit. The Grazer Crest like drops a few inches and then just plunges through a huge opening in the ice, falling probably three four hundred feet, my guess is, and uh, ultimately coming to rest inside this ice cave. The razor crest is just jacked up. You can see mm-hmm. that the hull has been broken in several places. Um and uh and as as the as the ship falls, Mando blacks out. It's it's rough. So uh while we wait for Mando to wake back up, why don't we take a break and give you a chance to hear from our sponsors? We'll be right back.
This episode of Death Watch is also brought to you by Skull Square Design Company. We're also huge fans of The Mandalorian, as well as Star Wars in general. And we wanted to share that love by making gifts for our fellow fans of Mando and the Child. Whether you wanted some flair while enjoying your favorite beverage in Oga's Cantina, or wanted to covertly show your support to the Resistance while exploring Batuu, we've got gifts for everybody. And not just Star Wars fans, but Marvel and Disney fans too. Check us out at SkullSquared.com or follow us on social media at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in See y'all real soon! And we're back. So we fade in from black as Mando wakes up from getting knocked out from the crash. And um, you can tell it's been a little while because by the time Mando gets up and, and he gets downstairs from the uh, from the cockpit, there's a huge gash in the side of, of the Razor Crest. Snow has been blowing in. It's kind of all over the inside of the cargo. Um, Mando... You can even see some frost on top of his helmet, too. Yeah, that's true. Even just right when he wakes up. Um, and yeah, you made a good point. The frog lady, assuming the the characteristics are the same as they are in our galaxy, they're cold-blooded. So being in a freezing uh, atmosphere is not working for her. Um, so Mando goes to find the kid because he's, I think we last saw him hanging out in the hammock, right? When Mando rushed in to yeah. talk to the X-Wing. So he knows he's down here. He's not in the the sleeping pod. And then all of a sudden we hear the slurping sounds. Oh my God. And we're back it's at like it our again. Worst, our worst dreams, man. Uh, <sighs> he thinks with his stomach. It's awful. He's eating another egg. Mando's like, ah, come on. I told you not. This is not food. <laughs> um, eventually, uh, I, the the uh the frog lady comes down here too they're they're all down here below deck they start eating uh something trying to get something to eat and it's interesting this like this moment kind of um mando is like he almost feels like he's giving up kind of right like he's like Mm -hmm. this is over like i we we've we've crashed here there's there's nothing to do yeah he seems very uh He's defeated. Uh, what's, the, what's the term? Yeah, yeah. He feels very defeated in this instance. He's like, he keeps insisting, look, there's nothing I can do right now. We'll just wait till nightfall. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll do the repairs then. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can hear her kind of croaking, like, obviously she's not agreeing with that. Uh, even though we don't understand what she's saying, we can kind of tell by her tone that she's, she has some misgivings over his, uh, his defeatism. Yep. So, uh, man, was like, look, we're just going to wait to repair till tomorrow. He lays down, he's holding the child, uh, fades back to black as they fall asleep. And then we're woken back up abruptly because we hear the droid zero. And, and he showed up in the the recap at the beginning of the episode. And it was kind of, we were kind of questioning why, because yeah, it was kind of weird relevant. to show him. Mm-mm. But the frog lady apparently is, um, you know, she's able to tap into the protocol droid the vocabulator and and uses it to translate and starts to speak through the voice of zero to mando and begins to stress what she was trying to get across earlier that that she cannot be stuck here her um her her family line is at 
the end of extinction. She has to get to where she goes and she's appeals again to Mando's only weak spot, which is his code of honor. Mm-hmm. She's like, look, you said you were going to take me here. You got to take me there. Like um, Mando realizing he's been defeated as, as far as uh, his resolve goes, he, he's picks up his toolbox heads outside to go try to repair the crest and at least take a look at the damage or have uh, lunch. It looks like a big picnic basket to me. Yeah. Hard to tell. I wish their lunch boxes were like the star Wars lunch boxes we have with Mando on it and, <laughs> and the logo. Um, but he comes out and it's, the engine parts are leaking everywhere. I mean, we, we get a closer look to the fact that it is just, in rough shape. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, given the fact that when his ship got torn apart by the Jawas and he seemed like there's no way we can repair this without a huge, uh, you know, like a mechanic shop, I don't feel like Mando's really got it in him to repair this thing on his own. Um, but he but, also doesn't have a choice. It's just him. Yeah. He doesn't have a choice either. So he, he gets to work on doing what he can. Uh, the child is there with him almost looking like, uh, you know, he's there to help. Uh, we get that scene we had from the trailer of where he kneels down next to the child looking out across the snow. And we see that the frog lady has, has, has gone off while uh, Mando was repairing. And I don't understand this from like a character perspective, why she would venture off by herself in a frozen tundra cave. Um, I can't see any value well, in it. Like it can't, it, I can't see myself surviving in this metal bucket in this frozen tundra cavern. Let me take my chances and walk outside further into the tundra cavern. And maybe I'll find a, a warmer spot. I don't understand the logic initially, but maybe she sent something that Mando didn't initially. Yeah. Um, so in any case, she's gone off. Mando tracks her down using his, well, I guess he's just looking at her footprints in the snow. He doesn't really need his inspector gadget equipment. <laughs> and, uh, um, they, they find her chilling in a hot tub, like, and it's kind of awkward actually. Like she's, she's, she's technically stripped down. Naked. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is like, you know, what is naked to a frog, um, you know, like the the Muppets are naked, um, but whatever. Don't, don't disrespect Kermit the Frog like that, okay? I know. So she's stripped down and she's just chilling in this hot tub and she's dumped out her eggs. Um, mm-hmm. And all of this is super unusual. I, you know, I suppose she's trying to incubate the eggs maybe, but I you'd think the container they were in would have been climate controlled. I think there was some indication that there was like low power or something on the container. Okay. Because there was like some blinking lights that looked like they were on the low side. So maybe this was her way of just trying to, you know, mitigate the situation. But there's also the danger that she ends up, you know, making her eggs sous vide, like in this steam bath. So, (laughs) right. This is, I, I don't get it, but whatever. She's, she's chilling with these eggs. The child goes over to eat them again. Mando's <laughs> tries to scoop them all up to and and kind of eschews the child away. And no, while, his finger, his finger wag is like yeah. that. That I'm not a parent, but I can imagine that you've had to use the finger wag. No, 
no with your kids you know honestly it's no it's more i do it with the cat so you probably have as much finger wagging <laughs> i do experience as I, do, I do as a matter of fact i do have a lot more finger wagging with my yeah. very mischievous cat and we know mando relates to the child almost as much like a pet as he does like a child so i think that's probably where we get that uh mando starts to collect the eggs and he's like look lady you got to get out of here i can't protect you out here in this cave you need to stay in the ship so, um, and as he's doing that, the child has wandered to the other side of the cave. And immediately to me, this felt like another callback to the KOTOR video games where like when you're on, uh, Dantooine, like the old Jedi enclave there, and you're, you're exploring those caves, you can destroy the eggs and you, sometimes you get, um, the crystals that you can use to modify your lightsaber there. Um, but in any case, there are these eggs, they totally look like, the spider eggs that were in the game man uh the child opens one of them and sure enough there is like uh a gestating spider in there and he eats it um the kid eats everything i don't get zero zero reservations man he's definitely food motivated yeah totally pulls like a toucan sam he follows his nose he knows (laughs) for somehow he knows that there's food in in these weird looking rocks totally um and, you know, as he's doing that, you see some of the other eggs start to shake a little bit and then crack open. And you can fill in the blanks at what is about to happen over the next few minutes. The eggs start to crack. Small spiders emerge uh, off in the distance. The the depth, the back of the cave opens up to more caves and uh, larger spiders come through. Which There's a get- grumbling. Something is something is growling. Right. You can tell we're just going to keep going up, keep raising mm-hmm. the stakes in terms of size of spider. Um, and as they all start running back to the crest, um, we get introduced to our first crossover between the Harry Potter series and Aragog shows up, which I know Chris is looking at me like, I don't, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but no, I don't. For I'm assuming like, it's a giant spider. The other 98% of people in our age range know that Aragog, of course, is the large spider that Hagrid leaves out into the Forbidden Forest outside of Hogwarts. Um, but that sounds irresponsible. Yeah. These spiders are also um, very they're similar, cool if not the same as the ones that are in Rebels, right? I, they're, they're confirmed that they're not, but they are very similar. Um, and, uh, for those who, who don't know, there's, there's a few episodes where in the, the rebels, they have a base and off in the distance, they have to encounter these large white spiders that kind of look like that, but they're somewhat force sensitive. Mm. This is also a callback to some early Ralph McQuarrie concept art of when Luke goes to Dagobah, they call them the knobby white spiders and they look almost uh, exactly the same Yeah, where they have like these oval shaped eggs that they come out of their mouth and they have a look like a large they're definitely what is that they have like six eyes and on top of their eyes is a giant looking brain slash body anyway they it's confirmed that they're not the same that this is a new species of spider but they look almost exactly the same as as the other reference star wars spiders that we've seen before yeah and it's uh, i'm sure another dave filoni um, I was going to say Easter egg, but I'll just say spider egg. Um, <laughs> That's um, good. So this uh, begins the mad rush back to the Razor Crest. And although we don't have Bryce Dallas Howard uh, directing, it has very 
Jurassic Park vibes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's all these smaller spiders around them closing in, and we keep getting glimpses of the larger spider, which appears to be kind of like in a cave above them or on a like a you know higher plane from where they are, but keeps kind of like piercing through the ice and um, lots of close calls. It's it's crazy. I'm I'm not an arachnophobe, but this was a terrifying yeah. scene. And I, I've, I keep watching these at 3 a.m. EST when they come out. And so like, I'm usually either for some reason I was up the whole night or I woke up in the middle of the night to watch it. And so he's uh, a great idea. Let me watch something absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Let me just watch some spiders crawling everywhere. Please, John Favreau, when you direct, when you were working on season three, please don't put any more, uh, phobic <laughs> creatures in in the episodes or at least change the release time to like 8 a.m. Cause this <laughs> middle of the night terror episodes are not working. Um, so they continue to, to head back towards the crest. Uh, Mando has been using his blaster to take out some of them, but this is just like a relentless horde of, of spiders. It feels Man, like, you know what this, you, yeah, this reminds me of the flood from Halo. I was, I was three words away oh, from it. When, when you're in the library and you first, are inter- like when Guilty Spark is like, ha ha ha, cool. We, we reunited the index with the library. This is awesome. You're like, well, what does that do? He's like, oh, well, it releases the flood. <laughs> like, what? And they just are everywhere. Um, that's what I this hated, feels like. Hated those missions. Yeah. Um, if, especially that creepy video where you find the soldier's like SD card from his headset and you watch like the recap of them getting, uh, I covered in the swarm of them. It's, it's pretty terrifying, but that's a lot of what this feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, They make it back to the ship, which Mando, you know, initially tries to use as a, uh, you know, a defense position, the child and the frog lady get into get inside, but Mando stays outside kind of shooting them off. We find out that they have spidey powers and he can shoot webs from their mouths. Yep. Um, which they kind of, they nail Mando's hand to the hull and he gets stuck there. Um, eventually he breaks free and gets inside. The horde comes inside. Mando kind of gets back to his ladder and starts to like hold them back, but they still keep pressing forward. He climbs up. He's, they're all in the cockpit now. They've been like cornered back to the top farthest part of the ship. And they're still just all around the doorway. Mando's shooting his blaster. He finally gets a blast out of his flamethrower. Yeah. Which is, it's just well, before like, then, a few actually make their way inside of the cockpit. Oh, that's right. Uh, a few actually make their way inside the cockpit. And then again, we're at the child level. And then one, like, well, with its web, it's stringing down very slowly. And it ends up, like, one of them jumps, jumps on the child's head. Yes. And Mando's distracted. You know, he's trying to, you know, resist the horde. And then we find out that Mama Frog is strapped and she's got a piece on her the whole time. Yeah. And then he- headshots uh, the spider above above the child. She's got a noisy cricket on her. She does. She does. And Mando like turns around like, where did that? He, he instinctively know like, that's not my blaster fire. Where did that Where did that come from? So yeah. she, she helps clear out the ones on the inside and then Mando can flame weld the, the door shut. Yeah, so he, he gets one last um, shot off with his flamethrower, keeps him far enough away that he can close the cockpit door. And at, at that moment, you, you hear uh, like tiny taps of metal <sighs> are on the terrifying. hull. That's um, the terrifying part. That they... 
Yeah. And you hear it first before you see it. Um, and it's like, you know, we heard the similar sound when the buzz droids go on uh, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's sh- or ship, right? Yeah. No, and oh, oh, yeah, Obi-Wan's ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're nowhere near as terrifying as these things, just covering the, the, the hull and then eventually the cockpit glass. And then, you know, we hear a little bit of the vibration again and Aragog is back, slams his um his leg right through the glass um of one like one part of the cockpit um and then eventually like slams his mouth on the glass and this like terrifying nightmarish multi-level <laughs> like round toothed mouth it's it's terrifying it's, it's like a giant tape it's like a tapeworm times a thousand magnification yeah it looks like it, initially kind of like the minoc when it yes. attaches to the falcon inside of the the belly of the whale um but except with like four Space levels worm. of teeth in it yeah it's and yes exactly it's and, terrifying uh, oh god and so you know it's it's closing in you feel like we're this is it and then all of a sudden the the large spider gets blasted by some other blasters you're like wow who else is here we have no idea um I guess for my first thought was like, because at, at this time I did not know that this was Mando Christ that, or Maldo Christ, the planet that we'd already been on. So I'm thinking maybe this is Ilum and we've, we have stumbled upon the, you know, the crew we've been looking for. And this mm-hmm. could be, you know, Ahsoka and Rex or something like that. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's Dave Filoni and, uh, Captain Bye Bye Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that was Chris's joke. I was halfway through reading the sentence and just had to finish it. It was, I mean, technically it's Dave Filoni and his captain and then Bye Bye Spiders, but Captain Bye Bye Spiders sounds a lot funnier. I like that. Um, yeah, so they, they've parked their X-Wings. I don't know how they found them. I guess they probably saw the giant spider running around. <laughs> hey, that doesn't, that doesn't seem normal. Yeah, so they've, let's, go, let's go follow it. They've landed their X-Wings and they're just kind of blasting off all of the spiders, uh, pick off the giant spider who kind of like slumps over the edge of the razor crest. It's kind of laying on top of it. They, they shoot off all of the remaining smaller spiders, or I suppose several of them scatter as well. Um, but as the, the dust clears, so to speak, they, there are no spiders in sight. And, uh, Mando steps out of the giant hole in his, in in the hull of the ship (laughs) and, uh, to see them parked there, and it's it's this is just a cool moment here um you know they call out to him and they're like you have an arrest warrant (laughs) like you're you're under arrest um for for freeing prisoner and i I didn't write down the number they gave it's like prisoner uh x 6110 610 or something like that uh which is we come to realize is the is quinn who they freed in episode six um but you arrested some of our FBI's most wanted um, in Xi'an and Berg and Mayfeld. So, uh, and and we also have security evidence that you attempted to protect the voice of Anakin Scott. I mean, um, the lieutenant who was <laughs> manning the ship. You put your own life in harm's way to try to protect that of Lieutenant Davin from the New Republic Correctional Corps. Is this true? Am I under arrest? Technically, you should be. But these are trying times. 
you know, how about we just leave you here abandoned, shipwrecked on an ice planet, surrounded by 30-foot killer spiders and call it even. <laughs> I like how Mando's like, hey, I'm gonna, let's make a deal. I'm gonna abandon my bounty and then you help me out of here. And then they're like, how about we we don't arrest you? Peace. I, I really <laughs> could not believe that they could not be bothered to like help him in any way at all. They're just like, yeah, you know what? Um, thanks. Uh, and it, it's, they have a little line there. They're like, um, so we're going to let you go, you know, something like because of trying times like these, these are trying times. Yeah. Yeah. These are trying times. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess they kind of see it as like a, an even trade and they're like, yeah, you freed a prisoner, but you gave us three and, uh, you know, we'll just call we'll it, we'll call even. it even. Yeah. So they, they leave and, um, and Mando's on his own. He goes about his business, trying to repair the ship as best as possible. We see that his plan is just to, um, you know, get a vacuum seal on the cockpit only since everything <laughs> else is ripped open, um, which is going to leave, you know, the lower hold open. Um, and he also, there's this great line. He's like, if you got to use the bathroom, you need to go now. <laughs> um, because as we know, the only space toilet in the universe is it exists in the razor crest, apparently. Yeah. But it exists in the now open to the vacuum of space part of the oh. razor crest. So they can't go to the bathroom on this journey, which they have to go at sublight. I mean, and man, the crest is just in rough shape. So he, he gets the, the cockpit vacuum sealed. Um, he lifts off. There's this cool, like as he's lifting out of the snow, the, carcass of Aragog is hanging off the ship and eventually slumps Just off. Just drags off. Yeah. Yeah. He lifts off into space. And uh, you know, we we I think we are now plugged into one of the other moments from the trailer where the Razor Crest was kind of like sputtering fly, off. Yeah, like it's flying crooked. Fumes. Yeah. And you could see like the the uh rear hatch was like hanging open from the trailer. So it definitely feels like that's where we'll be picking up the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the crest is limping along into space. Mando is, uh, he's like, look, I'm, I'm gonna lay down, take a nap. And, uh, <laughs> his, his dark, I guess if you could call it humor, he's like, wake me up if someone shoots at us or that door gets sucked off its rails. I'm kidding. If that happened, we'd all be dead. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> this is, he is the worst Uber driver ever. Yeah. The, there's a meme floating around. I've seen it. It's, it's like a One screenshot. Star. Yeah. A screenshot of the, the frog lady's Uber review. <laughs> um, like almost got arrested. Uh, his weird dog kept eating my eggs. <laughs> worst trip ever. Um, and we, we close on the final shot of, our serial killer um, psychopath child <laughs> eating one last egg, um, which I just, uh, it's so uncomfortable. I think, I think by my count, it had to have been five. I think we see five on camera that, you know, we can assume that we know we saw. Um, and there it's very possible there were a handful of others. Oh, for when, sure. Because you know, Mando doesn't catch him right away. I've seen some weird theories that, you know, maybe the child is like eating them to incubate them or something, and nah. they'll hatch. And I'm like, what? Nah. What well, are he's you gonna eat- thinking? He clearly took a bite 
He's, he's been <laughs> eating whole frogs in previous episodes. Like, what yeah. makes you think he's all of a sudden incubating ready them. to incubate the eggs? He's slurping them up like, pun intended, like boba tea. Oh, boy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. I guess that's how we're going to end it. So <laughs> that's the episode. How, what, do you, what did you think of this one? I um I didn't like it at first. When I yeah. when I first saw it, I was super disappointed. But I kind of had to when I did the rewatch and we were when we were doing the blocking for this episode. Um, I had some time to think about it, and I did see some recurring themes regarding um generations and off you know offspring offshoots, the potential of if of Mando trying to help because I kept thinking, crap, Mama Frog is gonna get eaten up, and now he's got like he goes from taking care of one orphan to like taking care of several oh, dozen yeah. orphans backpack, backpack full of eggs. <laughs> full of orphans but yeah. thankfully that that didn't happen but the whole trying to protect a lineage uh mando's trying to do the same thing he's just trying to find his lineage yeah you know, maybe they're not a race they're a creed but he has to find others like him in the off chance that he might be the only one so yeah. i saw some parallels between um frog lady's story and mando's story with the child yeah when i first saw her in Pelly's um hangar I, I thought she looked a lot like the caretakers of Octo, the Jedi mm-hmm. island that Luke secluded himself on and ruined all of our hopes of what the sequel series could be. Because um, they look similar, at least at first take, and particularly the ones on the island are wearing like some robes that cover them up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this is not the species, but when no. I first saw it, I was like, oh, great. Now we've got like a connection to Luke and the new Jedi temple or, you know, all like I was like, oh, great. We're right on track no. to find the Jedi. And again, I was let nope. down. Frog lady is still frog. No, I I, I looked into those creatures and um, the ones that you're talking about on Octo and they're they're technically classified as avian. And then I saw their feet and they're like mm. more related to the porg <laughs> on the island. Oddly enough than they are to reptile to the to amphibians but they're evolved porgs oh man there's a there's a detail here there's a few details that i also want to to bring out real quick um i'm convinced that we just heard the the child's first word and i'm convinced that it's batu well we don't know what he means by that Hmm. but when he when when mando first sneaks up on the child eating the eggs he and he and he has the face like he caught him red-handed he says something like like really quickly we don't know what it means maybe it's just mumbling because this is also the first time we we see this the child trying to formulate sentences like he's gurgling he's like not gurgling he's speaking some sort of gibberish but it's more just coos and cries he's like he's trying to point hey frog lady left frog lady went somewhere so this is the beginning of him actually trying to be uh coherent yeah you know this episode felt a little bit like a side quest, kind of unrelated. I mean, obviously we're judging the series midstream, so it's hard to see where this connects eventually, but um, it felt like the Sanctuary and the Gunslinger, which, you know, they tie into the overall theme for series for season one, but they were kind of one-off quests that they were like, they didn't relate to what happened just before, just after so directly. Um, yeah which is a lot of, you know, we obviously we started on Tatooine, but then we pretty quickly, we feel like we had a lot of story potential on Tatooine still. And we pretty quickly pivot away from it and do something that was not really expected. So it was kind of a, a side quest. 
it definitely did seem like a side quest, but like by that argument, I would also say the episode when he goes and meets Cara Dune for the first time and he yeah. meets up with the shrimp farmers, that felt like a side quest also. And then it turns yeah. out he ends up going back, he ends up recruiting Cara Dune again. Totally. You know, we find out where Spotchka comes from, which is super critical of evidently in, in the Mandalorian universe. Yeah. Well, and now we've seen Captain uh you know, Trapper Wolf twice, and who mm-hmm. knows like if there's some uh, future connection as as Mando continues to get exposed to him, um, and we have no idea what these eggs are or what the significance of the Frog Lady and her husband are, and so obviously there's still more to come. But um, it was, you know, it was kind of uh, it felt like a side quest episode so far. I'm really hoping we get to see Doctor Mandible again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Didn't we see him in A New Hope? Wasn't he one of the original Cantina occupants? Maybe. Maybe, I, th- I think so. I think that I don't think this was like so blatant of, oh, this guy directed Ant-Man. Let's put an Ant-Man in, in the movie. <laughs> I think they pulled like, like, oh, he directed Ant-Man and there was one in this cantina. Why don't we just mm-hmm. bring him in? That makes sense. Yeah. He was probably doing his internship by then. Yeah. <laughs> right. He was, he was a, a resident dentist. <laughs> um. We do want to give a couple of shout outs to some of our followers on social media. Uh, earlier in the week, we, we asked you who all of your favorite cameos on the show were. You know, we heard from everything from Jason Sudeikis to Amy Sedaris and, uh, you know, uh, Dave Filoni, of course, it ran the gamut. Uh, just wanted to say thanks to Rhodes Photographs, It's Chow Time, Peter Pan's Cottage, Honorary Android, Bleach Jedi, Papa Marquito, that nerdy running Fit Mom, and B Zoolander for um, sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you. Thank you all also because you know, we just hit 100 followers on, on Instagram too. It's going to help us out. Um, you know, if you share it also on, on social media, it's going to help us get more eyes and ears on the podcast so that we can all have great conversations with you. Um, both while you're listening to us on uh, wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and but also we can engage with us on on social media as well. Yep. So that's it for this episode, and we thank you all for joining us. If you like this episode, like we always say, please uh, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and most importantly, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. There's been a several of you who have left reviews, and we love hearing it. And um, as we've said multiple times, it helps our show get found in the Apple rankings and lets more people um, hear us. And like we just mentioned, please follow us on Instagram if you don't already. Uh, Our Instagram handle is at DeathWatchPodcast. We also have a Twitter account, at DeathWatchCast. And we're also part of the Magic Mail app. And if you have any comments, any questions, uh, if we omit anything that you want to mention, or if you have any suggestions for an upcoming episode, you can always feel free to email us at deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to be able to feature it on any future episodes. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.